with the Indiana National Guard back again with another edition of the Lima Charlie Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Sergeant First Class Robbie Schweitzer, and today we have the Indiana National Guard Marksmanship Team. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here on the Lima Charlie Podcast. We are, are so happy to have you. Could you introduce yourselves and, and tell us what your uh, your military job is, please? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you for having us, first of, of all. Uh, I'm Sergeant Brian Harder uh, with the uh, 138th RTI. Uh, I'm an Assistant Supply NCO. And on the civilian side, I'm a technician over at CSMS-1. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having us here today. Uh, I'm Captain Sischler. I'm a commander at the Bravo Battery, the 2150. Field artillery, of course. <laughs> uh, Staff Sergeant Peter McGovern. I'm from the 122nd Fighter Wing up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, I'm in the aerospace propulsion shop for Lehman. That's basically we work on jet engines on the A-10s. Oh, wow. Nice. Wow. What a... What a diverse group. That's that's really cool. So can you guys tell us, you guys all have different different jobs, but you're all on the marksmanship team. Can you tell us what the Indiana National Guard marksmanship, marksmanship team is uh, and, and what does it represent? So, yeah, I'd love to start with uh, just kind of like you mentioned, there's, there's no specific MOS title. Uh, it's open to everybody. It's open to any MOS. It's open to enlisted officer, warrant officer, uh, male, female. It really doesn't matter. The... Uh, the team used to have a dedicated SARS unit in the state, so a small arms readiness training section. Uh, we no longer have that, but we still do run the team. Uh, myself and Captain Tischler are the state marksmanship coordinators, so we uh, run the, the clinics and the tag match, and from there develop a team to go on and shoot uh, bigger competitions. Wow. So. Yeah, and what we what we do is we have these clinics and, and the tag match, and and we use these clinics and, and the tag match as like a feeder program, that that gets us um, soldiers that that do well, that perform well, that have the good attitude that we that we desire, and the willingness to compete. And we utilize um, those soldiers and kind of build them into like a feeder program that we cycle through into uh, higher level matches like the regionals and the national matches that we go to, and we have. We have to have like a cycle of, of soldiers that are incoming as new soldiers because there's there's a criteria that we have to meet on the teams where you have two old shooters at least, um, or no more than two old shooters and at least two new shooters that have never shot at a certain level. So we utilize these clinics and, and the uh, the tag match to, to find these new shooters um, so, so they can join us on the regionals and national teams and so on and so forth. Um, and when you say old shooter, sorry, you're not talking about age, right? You're talking about... No, no prior. So yeah. like me, for not, not not old. I mean, I'm a new shooter, right? <laughs> you'd be in, uh, yes, you'd but, be a class. Of, it's a, like a classification of experience. Yes. Oh, that, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. How frequently do you uh, run the clinics? Uh, we have currently we have two clinics per year. Usually one in the spring and one in the fall, um, and they're typically a day, maybe two days, depending on um, how many how much ammo we get, how many soldiers that we have that plan to attend, and what we're trying to accomplish during the clinic. Like the next clinic that we have. Uh, coming up in March is a preparation clinic for the Winston P. Wilson Nationals. So this is our last chance to get our team in order and to get our, our rifles and our optics and our pistols um, shot and make sure that, that our, our dope's still on and our, our optics are still good to go and get everything finalized before we go to, to Nationals in April. Gotcha. So with that, I also want to add it. It's still open to anybody else who wants to attend. You don't have to be going to 
Winston, the Winston P. Wilson National Championship to attend this clinic. Uh, we do push the information out through the RTI, the on the uh, on the Indiana homepage, uh, as well as the Indiana National Guard app. If you go in and type, correct me if I'm marksmanship into yes. the groups, yes. um, you'll find us, okay. and uh, we do put information out there, sort of when the clinics are and what's going on. So, uh, and my email is on there as well. So, so if anybody has any questions, uh, they're welcome to email me. Gotcha. So other than the tag match and the clinics, uh, how would a soldier or uh, airman that's listening get involved in becoming a member of the team? The, f- the first step is to get your unit to let you come to a clinic. So one of the, the downsides is uh, without the SARTS unit and orders and a, and a pot of money for that, uh, we do rely on units to allow soldiers to split train. So uh, you have to get your unit to let you split train to come down. Uh, but if you have a desire to compete, that's really all you need. Show up with a desire and a positive attitude. And, you know, we understand that uh, a lot of people aren't, haven't been introduced to competitive shooting, uh, but that's that's where we come in. We're going to teach you that part. So we just look for uh, competitive, positive attitude people. Gotcha. And so if you become a member of the team, is there an expectation that you'll compete a certain number of times uh, at a certain level, or is it just kind of like no, based upon what, um, what you can give? It's it's what you can. Like We understand that you know your unit may have something going on the month that the clinic is and you can't come. You know, obviously, Captain Tischler, he's a unit commander. So he can't always be there. Uh, so there is no real expectation. Uh, as, like, you have to be here for this or you have to be here for that. Come as much as you can. Uh, and, you know, th- there is a part of that where, you know, if you don't come to the clinics uh, and practice, the likelihood that you're going to go shoot at nationals goes down some. Mm-hmm. But uh, but we do understand that, you know, not everybody can make it to everything. So, uh, like I said, and, and I kind of want to reiterate, it's a big thing. Uh, you don't have to be like the world's top shooter to want to come out and do this. Uh, all we really want is somebody that if you're the kind of person that like smiles in the background when you beat your kid at Mario Kart, <laughs> that's who we want. Like <laughs> I want that level of competitiveness um, to, to come out. And, you know, even if you've never shot before, um, we had a we had a female come out one time who, other than qualifying at basic training, had never fired a gun of any kind, and by the time she left, she could outshoot half the team. Nice. So they're even going to accept yeah. veterinary food inspection specialists yeah. like myself potentially <laughs> on the team. That's uh that's pretty cool, Sergeant. Now you guys had mentioned the tag match earlier. What is the tag match, and what all does that entail? The tag match is is a state match. It's a state level competition for. Everybody in the state that, that can attend, obviously, um, you have to have you have to go through your units to get approval and fill out a packet and all that stuff. Sure. And um, ideally, you would have a team from your unit of four. Um, it's not necessarily a requirement currently to have a team of four. You can come as individuals, um, but it's it's basically a state level match where we have a day or two of of matches, pistol and rifle um, combat matches is what they're considered. Uh, there's different types of matches. They're called like special zero. There's an EIC rifle match, EIC pistol match, which EIC is excellence in competition. And that's a whole other thing we can get into a little bit later. Um, it's it's a recognized match on the national level that, that everybody shoots exactly the same no matter what. There's a standard to that match, and it's been in, in existence for for decades now. Um, but it's it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday type of, of usually um, usually in the fall. 
Um, I think this year we're going to bump it up to August yep. um, due to some scheduling and whatnot to try and have that three-day match in August. And it's three days of, of coming out and shooting rifle and pistol in a combat match type of scenario. And is there anything you want to add, McGovern? Yeah, uh, definitely or, talk about how how to get involved <clears throat> from the air side because it is a little yeah, different than how we do it. Yeah, I think something we can work on is maybe pushing a little more to the air side because it is hard to to find out about that when it's pushed from the RTI on the Army side, uh, maybe bridge that gap of communication there a little bit more and stuff. But definitely I'll try and push it out whenever that gets pushed out to all the units and stuff that we have there. I know this last year we brought uh, four shooters that were down there and did quite well. Uh, one of our guys got first place in pistol and that. Hopefully we'll double that this next year and bring down eight shooters. I know that was a, a goal from our uh, command chief on base that he wanted to bring in two teams this coming year. Staff Sergeant McGovern's being a little humble when he says <laughs> they did. A lot humble. When they did quite well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you won the tag match. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did. Okay. I did place first overall. Yeah, I think so, Sergeant Harden. So no big deal. Yeah, no, yeah, no yeah, big deal. Yeah. Just a normal day for him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we did okay. Exceptionally. Uh, and Sergeant Harder had mentioned the, the National Guard app, but if so, if an airman wanted to get involved, uh, with with that tag match, they can probably check through the the National Guard app as well. Yeah, we do have a a group chat on there now for the marksmanship team that we've been trying to push out info for. So if you can get on there, uh, we're supposed to be putting the clinic info on there, the tag match info, general just shooting info and updates and stuff that you can practice in your own time. Because when it comes to anything with shooting, you don't just need to do it on the military time. You can there's lots you can do at home or on your own. To prepare for that. That's, no, for sure. Uh, absolutely. Because yeah. so we all know how the qualification goes where you have a day or two of trying to do your, your rifle qual. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily directly translate to these competitive matches that we go through, the tag match and so on and so forth. However, the new qual standard actually is is more similar to the combat matches that we do in terms of, of reloading on your own, changing body positions on your own, and engaging targets at different distances, of course. Um, so it is more similar, but you need more than that uh, and typical standard to compete at a, at a decent competitive level. You would need to do more than just do your rifle call unless you're just like one of those unicorns that can just absolutely shoot accurately all the time and without any practice. But so more than one week in the month, two weeks in the summer. Absolutely. Okay, okay. Absolutely. Yep. It's highly recommended. <laughs> Uh, so we talked a little bit about the tag match. Uh, can you walk us through and describe the regional and the Winston P. Wilson shooting competitions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the regional matches are held at Camp Perry, Ohio, the the infamous Camp Perry, um, which is a great place to compete. Um, you have to be able to account for a lot of wind up there um, and wind corrections, but it's it's a great place to go. It's it's multi-state so each state can send a team at least one team sometimes they can handle two teams like an a team and a, and a b team or alpha and bravo team um, and what they can do is is what we do is it's about three days of matches um, you get into more team you have the same individual matches like the pistol and rifle eic then they introduce like moving targets and then they have more team matches and it's typically three or four days of competitions from sun up to late afternoon basically um, and you're competing against other states. And if you win, if your team wins the the regional match, you are invited to the all all army match at Fort Benning, um, Georgia, which uh, last year um, Team Indiana actually won the regional match as a team for the first time in I think forever. At, uh, I, I do believe it was the first time. Yes. 
So we were invited to the All-Army uh, match down Fort Benning, which was a phenomenal experience. Uh, McGovern and I got to go, and that was a full week of matches all day, every day, basically sun up to sundown, and we're competing against everybody in the nation, um, active duty side included. Okay. Um, the National Guard took 14 teams, I believe it was. Sounds about right, yeah. We took 14 teams as the National Guard across the country, and there's 42 teams total uh, from uh, National Guard and active duty. And uh, funny enough, uh, the National Guardsmen um, were the top 12 teams out oh, of those wow. 42. And I'm going to plug us here again real quick. Is Team <laughs> Indiana placed uh, second overall um, in the, the rifle match. Yeah, yeah exactly. actually, we brought yeah, a little prop uh, yeah. to kind of show that off a little bit. Nice. So uh, we finished second overall in, in the rifle matches, um, which was a phenomenal accomplishment for us. And we had some other accolades. Um, uh, Sergeant Questenberry, he, he won an individual match. Um, I think I got third in a couple matches maybe. I think just one actually. And we had a phenomenal team match. Um, I don't recall what that, that match was specifically called. The infantry team match, I believe. The infantry team match. I believe that's what And we had a stellar performance with that too, which I think we finished second overall by just a few points, I think. So we almost, uh, we almost won that one as well, which was phenomenal for us, you know, coming yeah. from a program that's, that's just basically getting restarted, so to speak, and we're competing against these teams um, like North Dakota and California that that have an established program and they have like a SARTS program and they really put a lot of focus on their marksmanship um, and their marksmanship teams. So for Team Indiana to come in there and and do as well as we did is, is quite the accomplishment for us as a team and as individuals um, and coming together like we were talking about having uh, teams and whatnot and, and being able to be competitive and, and being able to to learn having that willingness to learn and, and pick up stuff and and from other sh shooters because a, a lot of times you know we're learning every day too you of know course. we've been shooting for a while but that doesn't mean we know everything there's shooters that are way better than us that are out there and we pick their brains mm -hmm. when we can and, and everybody in the shooting community and the marksmanship community um a really good group of people that that like to share information so That's, you could ask yeah. any of us anytime about different tips or helpful hints or whatnot and and we want to share that information. Everybody in the community seems to want to share that information as well. Even the best of the best will sit down with you and, and talk about different techniques and, and different body positioning and whatnot to help you improve as they're, a shooter. They're not hoarding their knowledge so they can yeah. continue to be the best. Absolutely, because right. you know, this is, this is the overall goal is to improve the Army's lethality, right? And our marksmanship abilities. So all across the guard, everybody wants to share that information for a one common goal and one common team. So I think that really helps out a lot with the attitude as well of yeah. sharing that information. Part of what makes a great teammate is the ability to uh, recognize your shortcomings and ask somebody who is better at that particular skill set than you are to help you get better. Uh, that's a huge part of developing as a, as a good competitive shooter. Yeah, and I think that's applicable across all teams, not even just the the shooting thing so yeah absolutely a, and even though we're on the same team we're still competing against each other for individual accolades um so if we line up on on the firing line getting ready for a match even though i'm competing against mcgovern or quest and barrier 40 or somebody else we still share information we're mm -hmm. still doing our wind calls and talking about hey what's your hold going to be how much wind do you think we have what's our direction like where, what's the angle of the sun currently and, and this that and the other and we're sharing that information before the match starts 
and between the intervals of the match while it's happening. Gotcha. Like, hey, don't forget to do this on this distance. You know, use your 20-round mag instead of your 30-round mag this time, et cetera, et cetera. So we're calling that out, helping each other out during the match that we're competing against each other on. That's uh. That's, awesome. that's yeah, that's really cool. And we know last week we had state CSM, and, and that was one of uh, his points. Is you know, it's being that's pretty being a good leader, right? Is sharing that information um, with your troops and working really uh, as a member of a team. Uh, that's that's really great how you uh, you verbalize that. Now we have mentioned the tag match and the Winston uh, Winston P. Well, what is it, Winston P. Wilson? Winston P. Wilson. Winston yes. P. Wilson match. What other opportunities to compete uh, are there for Indiana Guardsmen? So there are uh, civilian competitions. Uh, a lot of them happen right at Camp Atterbury uh, that a lot of people I don't think know about. So there, there's two civilian clubs that use Camp Atterbury, uh, Indiana State Rifle and Pistol so- uh, excuse me, Indiana State Rifle and Pistol Association and Central Indiana High Power Rifle Shooters Association. So both of those uh, groups shoot service rifle matches, long range matches at Camp Atterbury. Any given weekend from April to September, there's likely a match going on at Atterbury. Wow. So uh, there's a lot of opportunity there. There's, of course, other local clubs, you know, where you live. Uh, a lot of 4-H programs, uh, you know, out there have stuff for your kids, and that's a good way to get involved, too. Um, you know, indoor ranges have leagues and uh, steel challenges and you know, anything else. I know both of these guys uh, have come out and shot some of the uh, the stuff at Camp Atterbury and I, I shoot at Camp Atterbury all the time. So, Yeah, there's a, a multi-gun league in Indiana, um, which I haven't competed in in a couple of years and, and plan to do so this summer, but there's a multi-gun series that travels to different locations throughout Indiana. Um, there's USPSA. Um, you know, there's tons of matches for that throughout Indiana as well. So you just kind of, and conservation clubs, and, and, you know, Sergeant Harder hit on 4-H. Is that's how I started shooting, you know, besides being a hunter my entire life is is my dad and my sister, actually, uh, he would take us to the, the 4-H gun club. And, you know, one weekend or every one week, one day a week on Saturdays for like 10 weeks in a row, we'd go and shoot 22 rifles. And that's basically where I started shooting, and that's where I learned to shoot rifles was 4-H. Awesome. You know. And now you're getting paid for it, sir. <laughs> yes, partially. You guys are all getting paid to, to shoot. One of the one of the roles you have is being being paid to shoot. And, and you had mentioned Camp Atterbury. Um, you had mentioned uh, Ohio, but you're you're based out of Fort Wayne, right? Because you're in Correct. the Air Guard. Is there anywhere that you guys shoot up there, there in that are, area? Uh, I used to shoot multi gun up there. I'm not sure if we have that anymore. It's been a few years since I've done that. I know we have uh, high power matches up there. We have USPSA out of a couple clubs around that area. I believe there was one over in Warsaw as well. Uh, we recently, there's a IPSC, I believe that started up by an indoor range by me in Fort Wayne. So there's a lot of opportunities up in that area and they're well spread out through the whole state. As far as I know, just kind of got to look in your area or sure. in this case you might have to drive 45 minutes an hour to get somewhere, but yeah. they're a lot of fun. Sorry, Harder, before the episode started, before we started you know, <laughs> recording, you had mentioned that you're going to South Africa for an international competition. Is yeah, that correct? So it, that is, it is wow. true. And uh, I wanted to mention, um, so along with... Well, you shoot the tag match, uh, the regional match, and then Winston P. Wilson, which is the national championship in Arkansas. <clears throat> That's where you can get invitations to shoot with the All Guard team. So if you go down to Winston P. Wilson and, and you shoot really well for a few years, uh, they'll ask you to come try out to be a member of the All Guard uh, team. Wow. And they have a service rifle division, a, a multi-gun division, 
combat team. So there's there's a lot of facets to uh, what you can do with the All Guard team. And of course, it's all paid for. Uh, and that's really where my uh, personal competitive shooting kind of catapulted. So uh, I started dabbling in a little long range shooting on my own and eventually wound up on the U.S. national team, uh, which got the attention of the All Guard team. And, and they then invited me to come out and shoot with them some, uh, which I spent in 2020. I spent, I think, almost 75 days on orders shooting. That's awesome. So, uh, wow. There, there are opportunities beyond the Indiana National Guard to uh, get paid to shoot uh, yeah. and and take it as far as, you know, you're willing to put the uh, the effort into. So, yeah. One one great thing about that is is the clinics and the tag match. You have to split train and state-funded, basically, if you will. Uh, but once you start going to regionals and national matches and so on and so forth, uh, the National Guard Marksmanship Training Center uh, will start uh, funding that. So it's a okay. separate set of orders. So you don't have to to lose your training time. You know, you have a limited number of weekends and, and ATs to, uh, days to be able to train throughout the year with your unit. So the funding for regionals and nationals comes from a separate pot, uh, which allows us to still be able to train with our units, mm -hmm. but still go out for, you know, a week or week and a half at a time to these matches. Yep. And so it's funded separately, which is which is great for the units. And I bet you as commander, that's a little bit more appetizing for yes, you. Yes, absolutely. Just as long up. as my schedules don't conflict, then then yeah. I'm good to go yeah. in that scenario. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so earlier when you were talking about the team and, and the training and the clinics and all that, you mentioned that obviously you need to do more than just the two clinics a year, the one weekend a month style shooting, right? Yes. Uh, so I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that all three of you shoot on your own your free time uh what's that like what's that look like for you so uh for me the the majority of it is training the long range stuff uh for the national team um so uh i still go out and do a lot of the 100 yard stuff uh you know just make sure i have a good zero working on the fundamentals uh and a lot of it's the mental side i can do a lot of training at home in my living room without actually firing a shot so um mentally going through some things in your head dry firing uh, that type of stuff is what I do uh, in my spare time. Uh, and there's there's a great book out there if you really want to see the the amount of training you can actually accomplish at home. It, the book is called With Winning in Mind by Lanny Basham. And he basically he went from dry firing in his living room to an Olympic gold medal. Oh, wow. So wow. I'll, I'll let you, uh, if anybody <laughs> wants to read the book, I'll leave, leave the details to that. But, um, but so, you know, you don't have to be on the range 24-7 to be a great shooter. What are what are some of the the fundamentals that you guys would, would recommend uh, for someone that wants to become a great shooter? I mean, what are some some you know, a few tips you would recommend to someone like me? I know I showed you a picture of my qualification or earlier today. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I, I qualified, but you know what what is something you'd recommend for someone listening to this that wants to become a better shooter? Just a few things. Well, the the fundamentals are paramount, right? I mean, they're essential, and that's why they're called the fundamentals. They're right. the basis of what you do. When you want to, when you want to be an accurate marksman, um, so any any fundamental that you can focus on and practice on in your living room, like everything he said in terms of what he does on the civilian side, is essentially what I do as well. Um, you know, I I don't get to shoot every weekend. I don't get to shoot every day. I, I take those off. free time. You mentioned free time. That's that's limited. I don't know how much free time you have, but there's no such thing in, in my world. So it's almost like you have to force yourself whether it's an hour, whether it's five minutes, whether it's an afternoon, 
you have to force yourself to get out there and at least do dry fires, you know, make your weapon safe and go down in your basement and, and practice drawing from the holster and doing trigger presses and just kind of getting those repetitions in. Um, that way, when you get on the firing line and, and the and the horn sounds, you're not freaking out and trying to find your, your pistol in your holster. You know, you know exactly where that's at because you've been dry firing multiple times. Um, and a lot of times, you know, ranges, long long distance ranges in Indiana are limited. So it's it's almost like you're forced to 25, 50, or 100-yard ranges, and you can do a lot of good work at 100 yards and in. Um, you just have to aim small and miss small, right? You have to have smaller targets. Um, bring your own targets. Make your own targets. I, I make my own targets out of, like, uh, recycled paper, cereal boxes. Mm. Funny enough, I'll cut <laughs> the cardboard out of a cereal box and, and just staple that up, and I'll draw my my target on there, uh, depending on what I'm trying to shoot and what I'm trying to do and the distances that I'm engaging that target at. Um, so, you know, in terms of, of your question about fundamentals is, you know, body position, um, including everything from your head to your toes, you know, um, every aspect of your body position will make a difference on how well you can engage your target. Um, same thing as like, you know, doing trigger squeezes, trigger presses, trigger pulls, whatever you want to call them. If you're nice and smooth with that trigger, then that's going to make a huge difference. So you're not being jerky. You're, you're getting your finger placement proper. Your hand, your, your grip is, is everything on a, on a pistol and a rifle as well. Surprisingly enough, there's a lot that can go wrong with a rifle or a pistol that will throw your, your bullet off its proper trajectory. So the basic fundamentals that are, that are taught by the Army are actually really good fundamentals, um, and they're just that. They're fundamentals. There's things that you can improve on from those bases to make yourself a better shooter. And what I do, um, what I add to my, my technique from the fundamental level may be slightly different than Sergeant Harder mm. or McGovern because we're built differently. Um, we have different strengths and weaknesses physically. Um, so there's there's little things that you can do to tweak those fundamentals, but the basis of the fundamental is, is paramount to being a good marksman. Absolutely. Gotcha. 100%. Gotcha. I do get asked a lot, you know, when, when somebody asks me, you know, about the shooting on the U.S. team and, oh, hey, can you teach me to shoot? Uh, you know, I get that question a lot. And uh, the biggest thing is, like, there's not a – there's not a right way and a wrong way. Like you have to do, like you have to have this leg six inches from this knee and your hand has to be, uh, tell people whatever is comfortable for you because being repeatable, being able to repeat what you're doing uh, is a huge part of it. So, yeah. um, you know, those mastering those basic fundamentals and being able to do that repeatedly uh, and subconsciously uh, is what makes a great shooter. So there's no... There's no secret, you know, oh, if you do this, you're going to shoot better. It's it's just mastering those four basic fundamentals and mastering them to the point where it's everything happens subconsciously so that you're not thinking about, man, I hope I don't miss. I hope this doesn't hit the dirt, you know, or man, at least if I hit the dirt, maybe the dirt will make the target go down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, just having that basic, uh, that basic, like he said, mastery of the fundamentals is what makes somebody, uh, takes you from, you know, being good to being great. So I will say too, outside of yeah. just doing the fundamentals, something that you can do is when the stuff for the tag mats gets pushed out, the matches will be in there on how they're shot. There will be the number of targets. There will be the number of rounds per match. So you can go and you can study all of that ahead of time as well so that you're you're better prepared. You're not out there trying to go, wait, how many rounds do I have to put in this target and what time frame so that you have that, that muscle memory 
I've gone as far as even taping up in my living room small targets and having kind of a dummy set up and then having a, a holster on with a gun and just dry firing and going through the motions. Okay, two shots here, two shots here, reload, shots here and here. So that way you've kind of got that muscle memory and you're familiar with the course of fire, especially for new shooters who've never shot it before. That definitely helps kind of calm the nerves, having a little bit of experience, a little bit of preparation when it comes to some of that. That's Absolutely. a really cool idea, setting yeah. up a little, essentially a rehearsal and going through it beforehand. That's awesome. Rehearsals, rehearsals. Yeah. Key point right there. <laughs> if we go to nationals or anything like that, a lot of times the night before we'll be in the barracks and we're all reading through the matches and we're going through them together and making sure we've got it all down pretty much pat to memory. And then we'll do dry fire rehearsals night before and stuff like that. And these are matches that we've shot before. We've shot them numerous times, but we still study the matches, the course of fire to make sure that we, because if there's any slight changes, and even if there's not any, any changes whatsoever, we still like to embed that in our memory. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a it's a habit. <clears throat> it's a habit when we go out there on the firing line. We're not thinking through it. It's just natural. We're thinking about other things. And even on the van ride down to, to Arkansas, we'll study it. You know, we'll study it weeks ahead of time as well. So just that's another thing you can do to prepare yourself for matches. And it's it's a huge benefit. A huge part of the competition is knowing the course of fire. A lot of great shooters don't do so well because they don't know the course of fire. They get flustered and they get out of their, their nice smooth thought process and, and they don't shoot very well. Gotcha. So we've talked a lot about shooting, about the team itself. Uh, I'd like to kind of transition a little bit into weapon systems. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the M17 pistol and then the future weapon systems and optics that the Army is moving into? Sure, sure. Do you want to start on that one? Uh, M17, <clears throat> got a fair bit of experience with that. I've also shot the Air Force's uh, M18. Our units had those for, I think, a year or two now. I definitely think they're an improvement over the M9. Not that the M9 was a, a bad firearm, but I think there was just a lot of modern improvements that could be made to it. Uh, we went from a 15-round magazine to a 17-round flush fit and 21-round extended, so you've got more capability there. We've got night sights now that are built in on those. We've got it's cut for an optic, so in the future we can upgrade that. Oh, wow. Add a, a red dot to there to increase that lethality and precision on a handgun. Um, I've been pretty impressed with them so far in my experience shooting with them. They, they do take a little bit of adjustment. They do feel different in the hand to an M9, but fundamentally they're very similar handguns. You know, it's, it's functionality is, is you know, with a Beretta, um, you know, you have a hammer that you have to deal with, a double action. And from the during the matches, you have to, the initial round, you have to shoot from double action only. So you have a harder trigger pull on that mm -hmm. initial round. And with the M17, you don't have that issue. It's gotcha. consistent trigger pull every single time, whether it's the first round or the last round. Um, but there's definitely some differences between the two. You know, the... The M9's been fielded since, I think, like 1985, so it's been around a while. A few it's, days. Yeah. It's just, yeah. just a bit. <laughs> so I think Indiana, I think, I believe across the board in Indiana, every unit has M17s now. There might be some M9s floating around, but for the most part, um, even at regional and national levels, everybody's transitioned to, almost everybody's transitioned to the 17. I think the fact that we have the M17s at the RTI now is the indicator that I think the rest so. of the state also has the M17s. I was thinking it. I didn't want to say it, but <laughs> I was thinking I think it. we're the last people to get them. So that's uh, that's that's pretty cool. And I'm 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 mostly asking this question for myself. Can you discuss a little bit more about the marksmanship clinics uh, offered by the Indiana National Guard? So if I wanted to become a better shooter, what could I expect at that clinic? So uh, we keep it pretty dynamic. Uh, they're, they're pretty informal, and it's done that way on purpose because I don't want you to be intimidated or nervous or any of that. So uh, we keep it very informal, in fact. Um, and 
we put the information out. So if you want to come and you, you get permission from your unit to show up, that's all you need. Uh, bring, uh, you really don't need to bring anything other than a, a positive attitude. Uh, but we supply the weapons. We supply the ammo. Uh, I would recommend bringing a Kevlar and a vest uh, because that's how you'll shoot competition. So sure. uh, while we will shoot some slick, we will also shoot some with the gear on. Uh, but uh, it's dynamic in the sense that it really depends on who shows up as to how we operate the clinic. So if the only people that show up are the ones who are getting ready to go shoot Winston P. Wilson, uh, we're going to run it as a practice. We're going to shoot through some matches um, <laughs> and maybe a little more intense. Uh, when we get new shooters, uh, we make sure that we take the time to uh, train them uh, because even my experienced shooters with their Chiefs 50 badges and the EIC badges and distinguished badges. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, they, interesting badge you got there, yeah. There's some, uh, there's some benefit for him to teach a brand-new shooter. Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of helps reiterate to him those basic fundamentals that we just talked about. So uh, depending on who we have at the clinic uh, kind of dictates how we run it and how, you know, the level of training that we do. Uh, if you're brand-new, you know, we, we bring it down to your level so that we can build you back up. Thanks. Uh, if, <laughs> you know, but if, if you show up and, and I saw your target, you're not a bad shooter. Uh, so, but we're going to start it like at a level that's appropriate and then bring you up, you know, to, uh, because I don't want you to show up and then like feel like, oh, I shot terrible. I'm never going back to that. Like, that's not what we want. If you want to compete, like, like I said earlier, if, if you have this desire to, to beat your kids or your nieces and nephews at Mario Kart. Like, I have that desire. I never let my kids win at anything like that. Um, <laughs> Good lesson. Maybe, Good maybe I'm a bad person for <laughs> that. But, life lesson for But, uh, like, I just, I'm super competitive. I yeah. want to win, you know, I want to make a better bologna sandwich than my wife makes. You know, that's just... You, wanna, a, you, wanna, you always want to win. I know yeah, I love that. So if you're, if that's your mindset, you're, you're going to be a great shooter. We just have to, like, you know, hand you the toolbox, right? So, so there's not like drill sergeants yelling at you with knife hands, like you need to do better. No, no, no okay. absolutely not. Like there's, uh, it, it's in for, it's probably one of the more informal things you'll ever see in the army. Um, you know, even though we typically have a, a captain or somebody out there, uh, it's, it's very laid back. Uh, there's, uh, we don't put a lot into, obviously, you know, we all respect the customs and courtesies. Sure. But, um, you know, after those, uh, initial introductions uh you're there to train and become better yeah we tone it down and you're there to learn you know mm -hmm. we're not there yeah. to stand up parade rest while he tells you you know oh you need to spread your legs and shoot this way like it's we're, it's very informal so there's you, no reason to be intimidated by any of it and uh you know i'll put that out to you know when we uh have some females come out like i i encourage that because typically females make much better shooters than than males um, so we can all, you know, I don't know if it's an ego thing or that they just don't have bad habits or we all know that women listen better than men, but, this is true. um, you know, I, we've had some come out and like I said, um, some come out that had no experience and they leave being able to outshoot half the team. So, and it's not, it's not MOS, uh, restricted, not no. rank restricted, not no. gender restricted, nothing like that. I, I will say it, it is rank restricted in the fact that you cannot be a CW5 or a general officer. Oh, for the so. three of them that, uh, <laughs> okay. Sorry, General uh, Lyles, but, um, so you, you may have mentioned earlier and I might not have been, you know, totally tuned in whenever you said it. How long is the clinic? We try to shoot all day. Okay. Uh, 
is it just, just a single day? It's we try to do two days. Okay. Uh, but again, it depends on the amount of people we have come out. Okay. Um, you know, if we need to run two days, we will. Um, some of it, it, it is dependent on the amount of ammunition we get. Uh, if sometimes we need two days to get through all of the ammunition, uh, sometimes we get through it pretty early. Mm-hmm. It just depends, and it goes. You know, it's uh, the more people we get come to the clinic, the more ammo we get for the following year. So it's kind of a roller coaster how much we have. Gotcha. Do you want to mention e targets at all? Oh yeah. So <laughs> what is an e target? <laughs> uh, Sounds uh, fancy. It is. It, fancy. it is. Very fancy. And, uh, <laughs> And I'm I'm this is uh, gonna be kind of like a project that I, I hopefully can leave the army and hang my hat on and say I did that. But uh, an e-target uses uh, you may have seen them in basic training where you shoot and it kind of shows you like where your shot landed. Yeah. So mm-hmm. those have like progressed to the point where they're um, easily you like end user capable. Like I have a personal one at my house that I go set up uh, when I shoot and. It uses Wi-Fi. You set up these microphones around your target, and you shoot the target, and then your phone tells you exactly where you hit it. That's uh, And it's accurate to within a millimeter at a 1,000 yards or beyond. Wow. So uh, we use them in this fitting competition all the time. Uh, and we we have some at the RTI that we will use during the clinics. Uh, so when you shoot, you'll see them. Uh, it makes – you don't have to have anybody downrange. So you set these things up, and then you can just sit there and shoot all day long and you never have to go back down range to change the target out because you just clear it on the screen, and then That's the nice. next guy yeah. can go, and you can save it, and the, the target gives you all kinds of information about your group size, uh, your average velocities, things like that. So uh, we're hoping that we get more in the future uh, to the point where we can run the entire tag match on them, which will mean that we can run a lot more matches uh, yeah. if we get that system working because it cuts the... The personnel and the time by like three. Wow. That's awesome. That's pretty fancy. So, yeah. That's a huge improvement to time efficiency and cost because once you once you get those targets and you get them set up, you don't have to get additional people on orders to come run targets and you don't have to switch out. If you only have shooters at these matches, half the shooters are running the targets and the other half are shooting, then you have to switch, then you have to replace right. the targets. You replace the paper, you staple them up, then you during the matches, you have to drop the targets down, fix them, then send them back up as fresh targets. With an e-target, you use one target the entire time, and it could be riddled full of holes. That doesn't matter because the e-target senses your most recent shot and where it placed. So you have one set of targets that you never have to touch besides set up and tear down. Right. You know? Wow, that's, that's so cool. awesome. That's that's really cool. Yeah. So getting getting more people through the clinic and through the and the tag match would be a huge huge victory in that aspect of things. It's awesome. So we. Talk the clinics. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than the clinics, what are some other army schools or opportunities for training that uh, cover marksmanship, and what do they touch on? So the the big ones are uh, SAW E, which is not necessarily marksmanship; it's more of a weapons maintenance course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, especially if you're an armor, uh, you know, it's a really good one. Uh, everything from the the pistols and M4s to Mark 19s and 50 cal's. Uh, so basic operation, maintenance of those weapon systems. Um, and then you get it from there, you get into SDM, which is a marksmanship school uh, that is open to everybody. It is not MOS specific. Uh, anybody can go to that school. Uh, and I know that Indiana does get slots to that. Don't know how many or what units get them, but uh, there are slots to that. So um, you know that would be something you have to get with your unit on. But the 
that school teaches you to shoot iron sights and optics out to, I think, 800 meters okay. uh, with the standard weapon system. So it, it gets into a little more detailed um, wind reading, range estimation, uh, even using your iron sights for range estimation. Uh, and then, you know, being able to uh, kind of be that like marksmanship SME in your squad, mm-hmm. right? That squad designated marksman. Uh, so, and even, even officers can go through that course so that, you know, a unit commander can go through that course so that he understands what the capability of a squad designated marksman is so that he can better use, uh, soldiers in that, in that, uh, position. So, um, aside from, uh, we talked about saw E SDM, uh, obviously everybody knows there's sniper school, right? Um, that one, you do have to be an 11 Bravo. Uh, and you do have to be in a paragraph in line for a Bravo Four qualification, uh, and I can't tell you much other than that. You know, I don't know. I've not been through Bravo Four school. I don't know what uh, what all they do other than they teach you to shoot stuff and not be seen doing it. Oh wow! <laughs> so, um, and I think there's probably some different schools on the air side that uh, yeah. McGovern can touch on. I think we've got a sniper. I think it's more of a counter sniper type school and stuff. I think that's more security forces based for our MOS specific. Uh, we do have a DM school that is run out of our base up there, kind of through our security forces. I think it's recognized by the Air Force, but I don't know if it's like a true like nationwide program, but that's a nine day course, I believe that they'll start up there, have some classroom days and then go up to um, the Fort Custard up there in Michigan and spend like a week on the range shooting. And that's kind of like the an SDM course, but for the Air Force, for their security forces guys. That's uh that's pretty cool. Now you we've mentioned uh, this beautiful plaque. You're you have the this is what's the Chiefs fifty? Is this that that's the badges, sir? Yeah, it's, it's a Chiefs fifty. It's the chief of the National Guard Bureau's award for marksmen. Um, it's basically like the um, the governor's twenty tab equivalent to the national level, uh, the chief of the NGBs level, if you will, opposed to the tag level. Um, so it's basically the, like the top. Um, so it's it's the top rifle shooters and the top pistol shooters in the nation. So it's last when I got mine, it was the top twenty two uh, rifle shooters and the top twenty two pistol and the top six snipers would earn this badge. Um, so at the Winston P Wilson, if you place in the top twenty two rifle um, shooters, you get the Chiefs fifty badge. If you place in the top twenty two of the pistol shooters in the nation, then you get a Chiefs fifty badge. Wow! Uh, it's a permanent award. Um, you get it on your records. It stays with you forever. Um, it's federally recognized. Um, I think, um, based on my record research, this is the first one earned in, in Indiana in 18 years. Okay. Um, so that kind of shows <laughs> where Indiana is going in yeah. terms of the marksmanship team and, and shooting and whatnot. Um, and we actually had, um, Sergeant Questenberry, he just earned his Chiefs 50 as well at this last nationals. Um, so we now have two people in the entire state of Indiana that have the Chiefs 50 badge as a permanent award on their records. Um, the first two in, like I said, 18 years, which is, is a great accomplishment for us. It builds recognition because people mm-hmm. are always like, Hey, what is, what's the, what is the, 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 you know, the governor's, governor's 20, 20 what, is you know, that? what is that? Where is that? And that's where, you know, it's a good caveat to talk about the team Indiana and going to the clinics and the tag matches and so on and so forth. So having the chiefs 50 now mm-hmm. kind of makes, makes yeah. it even more obvious and gives us more talking points to help promote, um, not just not just coming to the clinics and the tag matches, but marksmanship and and shooting skills overall for guardsmen. Um, you know that builds uh, builds lethality, and and that helps us as as an entire state of of soldiers and entire nation of soldiers of of being more proficient at soldiering task. So, 
um, that's that's kind of a, a, a big accomplishment for us and recognition yeah, wise. That's and, awesome. And, that's uh, cool. Kind of to to add a little, another little plug there the, when. Two of the three years that I've been, uh, that award was handed out by the chief of the National Guard Bureau. Wow, so <laughs> that's pretty uh, cool. You know, when I I try to encourage, I've tried to in the past encourage uh, unit commands, uh, you know, or higher to uh, to attend Winston P. Wilson uh, just to, to observe and and watch their guys and uh, you know to see one of your soldiers get handed an award from the chief of the National Guard Bureau is a huge deal. Yeah, uh, and now uh, Winston P. Wilson is also doing a, a match called the Clash of the Commands. So this is a one-day deal, uh, two-person team for state-level command uh, personnel. So like the state CSM and the TAG, or um, you know, obviously maybe they can't make it, but uh, but they want as high as possible you know, yeah. in the state to come down and you know see what goes on and see the, the type of competition it is. And uh, I believe they hold that match the same day as the award ceremony. So they can go down, they get a little bit of shooting in, uh, and then they get to go see their guys uh, or gals, you know, get awards, this award ceremony from some uh, usually pretty uh, prestigious people. So. so there is a chance for that CW5 who's listening or that general to shoot somewhere. Yes. Okay, there is, there is one <laughs> yes. chance. Okay. At least one day. There's <laughs> at least one, one day, day in one the day. year. Yeah. One day a year. Yeah. Uh, so my last question uh, for you collectively is uh, can you talk a little bit about the role of the unit marksmanship coordinator and how they contribute to the success of the team? So the uh, and again, this kind of goes all the way back to the very beginning where we no longer have a, a dedicated SARTS unit, right, which used to do all, a lot of that kind of stuff. You could get them to come to the range with you and help with PMI courses and running ranges. Uh, and, and the state just doesn't have that anymore. So uh, one of the things we've tried to do over the last several years uh, with Captain Tischler and myself, uh, now we are officially uh, the state marksmanship coordinators. Uh, OIC at NCOIC, uh, but we, you know, want, we want to push out to unit marksmanship coordinator. Hey, you know, uh, even at your at your qualifications, you know, making sure you're getting good PMI in, and not telling your soldiers just go poke a hole in a target when you shoot Alt C. Yeah, that's a big pet peeve of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, kind of identify guys who are or gals who are, you know great shooters that want to compete. You know, some people may be a great shooter. They may have no desire to compete. I don't want that person. Uh, somebody may be a terrible shooter, but they want to be the next John Wick. I want that person. Uh, I want them to come out. So, uh, and a big thing with the tag match is, you know, the unit marksmanship coordinator at, at their level or a battalion marksmanship coordinator at their level uh, should be able to identify who the competent uh, competitive shooters are. You know, somebody that um, can handle the weapon is a big one because uh, we we have had some people come out and a lot of enlisted soldiers never get a chance to shoot a pistol, but we do shoot pistols at the tag match. So uh, it needs to be somebody that's competent, and that's kind of the unit marksmanship coordinator's job is to uh, identify who's going to come to the match and give them the information they need to be successful. Uh, and then they can get with us anytime uh, to ask, you know, what they need, what they need to study. Uh, I've told many of new shooters at the tag match, if you study that uh, match program and you understand exactly the course of fire, you've already beat 50% of the shooters at the match. Wow. So the, the unit marksmanship guys can kind of bridge that gap between the shooter and the two of us. 
cool. One of our yeah. another one of our our big goals, um, not only amongst ourselves, uh, Sergeant Harder and I, as marksmanship coordinators, but also through the clinics and the tag matches and other matches, is for us to teach people these skills and have those people take that back, have them take those skills back to their units and spread the wealth of knowledge there too, to make that unit more lethal overall, to have better, not just to have better qualification scores, which we all want, of course, but also to have every soldier capable of mm-hmm. engaging targets, whether it's civilian side or during wartime, is we want to we want to bring that information home back to the unit and share that information. So train the trainer type of scenario, you know, we're, we're looking for shooters to go shoot, but we're also looking for, for people that are capable of going back to their units and teaching their soldiers that whether it's higher or lower rank than them, it doesn't really matter if they're willing to learn, then, then McGovern can go there and he can teach, he can have uh, a PMI class basically and, and go beyond the fundamentals and teach people how to be better marksmen overall um, for the sake of the, the U.S. Army. Increase yeah. the overall legality. Of Absolutely. The and that's what we're looking for. You know, as, as commander, you know, I, I want my soldiers to be top notch at everything that we do. And, and marksmanship is something that we don't have a whole lot of time to train on right. um, in the Army. So for us to have like some hip pocket training where I can take some soldiers yeah. and, and teach something and on the drill floor or out during an IDT weekend at Atterbury, um, or I could find that soldier that shot the tag match and say, hey, I want you to put together a, a session where we're going to teach these other soldiers how to do X, Y, Z. Um, so it's spreading that wealth and knowledge and that experience, not only from us, but from everybody that comes to the clinics and, and tag matches. Absolutely. Awesome. I, I have one last question for everyone. A brief answer. What is one piece of advice you'd have for someone who's thinking about joining uh, the military? Uh, do they might join the National Guard? Uh, it's a... It's a uh, life-changing experience, and it's something if, if you if you want to get the most out of your life and you're willing to put some effort into accomplishing your goals, uh, join the National Guard because you can do it. That's awesome. Sir, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, if I had to say one thing, that's, that's hard for one. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but if there's one thing, <laughs> in my experience at least, I would say go out and talk to other soldiers. You know, you have the recruiter that has tons of grateful, great information, very helpful information, but also talk about, talk to other people that are in about their experiences, what they like and don't like, and truly understand what you're signing up for. Mm -hmm. That way, you know, I think that that applies to all aspects of life. Know what you're getting into, do your homework, do your research. So you have a a good understanding of what you're committing to. And you're going to learn stuff along the way, of course, but you're, you're going to prepare yourself for, to be successful uh, if you know what you're getting into. I love that. Staff Sergeant, what are your thoughts? Uh, I have no regrets about joining. It's definitely been one heck of an experience. Uh, I will say you get out of it what you put into it. Oh, of course. If you are lackadaisy, you're not putting in the effort, you're not going to get much back, and your experience is not going to be top-notch. But if you are striving to be that top airman, that top soldier in everything that you do, you will get far more opportunities to go travel abroad, train with our allies overseas, whatever that may be you will get those opportunities if you work for them. And that's really, for me, what kind of sets it apart. It's presented a lot of new opportunities either to to travel, to now shoot and get paid to do it. Yeah. You know, I work on jet engines, which is something I never thought coming out of high school that I was going to do and stuff, and I love every minute of it. That's that's awesome. that's a, that's, that's, a real that's, awesome. that's a fantastic answer. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for coming on uh, yes, the podcast. You. We definitely appreciate you sharing your expertise uh, with the uh, Indiana National Guard. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thanks for having thank us. You. Lima Charlie out. Thank you.